Welcome to Face Your Fears with Jordan Spears. I'm Jordan Spears, and I'm back. I've returned. I'm back from the dead, so to speak. Uh, it's my birthday, and I figured I would cover a movie that I absolutely love, uh, just to get back into the swing of things. Uh, tonight, we're talking about Hellbound Hellraiser 2. Uh, and you might be saying to yourself, hey, you haven't done Hellraiser 1. Why are you doing Hellraiser 2? And uh, to that, I have to say, well, first, it's my podcast. Second, you don't even need to see Hellraiser 1, because the second one recaps it in the first, like, I don't know, five minutes. You just get, like, a real quick boom, boom, boom. You know what's going on. It put, it, it, it uh, puts you back up to speed. It's great. Hellraiser 2 is my favorite movie in this entire franchise. I've seen it too many times. Too many the effects are great, the soundtrack's amazing, the story's rad. If I could, I would have given, you know, everybody that worked on this movie, like, unlimited money so they could fully realize everything that they wanted to do with it. Because it's rad. It's super cool. It's, like, the best. So, uh, without further ado, I am going to watch Hellraiser 2. And, uh, you know, do that whole, uh, thing where I talk about it stuff. So it's going to be pretty fun. All right. I'll talk to you again in a minute. Yeah. All right. So actually, I lied. Uh, it recaps the first Hellraiser movie by the minute and 40 second mark. Uh, and I guess just to get it out of the way, if you have not seen Hellraiser uh, or Hellraiser 2 or any of them or whatever, uh, and you're listening to this, I will get you up to speed. So. Basically, the plot of Hellraiser is that, well, I guess in regards to the Cenobites, who are the, like, weird S&M demons uh, that come from another dimension that might be hell. I don't know. Hard to say. Anyway, so you get this box, right? It's a puzzle box. You solve the box, and then it summons them, and then they take you to their dimension, and you have a real good time. And I'm not exaggerating, you do have a good time for a minute, and then it turns into a real bad time, and I assume that kind of just goes on for eternity. Uh, so that's kind of fun. Um, so, you know, basically, you gotta call them, the, the, the Cenobites, and they're led by uh, Pinhead, who's played by Doug Bradley, who is awesome. Uh, he's like Robert England in the fact that nobody else should play Pinhead. Um, although other people have tried, and, uh, it's been mixed. But, yeah, Doug Bradley, he's fantastic, he's phenomenal, he gives the role a lot of, like, gravitas. Uh, he just does a great job. And, uh, so basically, you know, if you don't want these awful things to show up, uh, don't open the box. The rub being, uh, most of the people, like, want the box to open because usually, uh, the people that wind up with it are the ones that are like, I've done every drug on earth and I've done all the sexy stuff and there's nothing left for me to experience, so I'm gonna go try something new. And, uh, well, they do. Um, so yeah, Pinhead leads his gang of Cenobites. There's Pinhead. Because he's got pins in his head. It's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, 
Then there's uh, Chatterer, who is a horrifying nightmare man. Uh, he has no eyes, and his skin is stretched over it, like like his yeah, it's like his face is burned or something. I don't know. Doesn't have eyes. Doesn't have a nose. But what he does have is a wonderful, just beautiful mouth full of teeth that are constantly chattering. Um, because there's hooks in his head and whatnot. Uh, it's very good. There's a female Cenobite. Her throat is open and held open. Uh, so that's fun. And then there's one, uh, I think officially they call him Butterball. Um, he's just a real big beefy burger boy. Uh, whose eyes are sewn shut, but it's fine because he wears fun little sunglasses most of the time. To me, he just looks like he's, you know, he's having a good time. He's, he's cool. Uh, so yeah, you open the box, they show up. But like, the movie, they aren't really the villains, which is interesting because technically, it's the in the first Hellraiser, it's this dude named Frank who's like a real cool dude like he looks kind of like George Michael and he's like ah, hello I'm Frank um, and then uh, oh man what is her name Julia that's her name I remembered uh, so Julia and Frank were in love and by in love I mean they had an affair when Julia was marrying Frank's brother who was played by uh, the dude that was uh, like the Zodiac killer dude from um, Dirty Harry. Yeah, he was a fun dad in the first Hellraiser movie. And so uh, Julia and Frank, behind Dirty Harry dude's back, are having an affair. And uh, Frank opens the box, because he's, you know, pretty cool dude. Uh, he just, you know, wants somebody to wake him up before he go-goes, all that fun stuff. He's looking for a father figure. He opens that box, and uh, he gets taken to hell, which is eh, probably not ideal. Um, and then they're moving into this house, uh, Julia and uh, and her husband. They're moving in, uh, and it's the Frank was staying there. And in the process of moving, her husband cuts his hand open, drops some blood on the ground. Guess what? Frank's back, baby. Oh, yeah. He comes back as a gross little blobby boy. Uh, gets all his skin back, which he does by ju having Julia bring men back to their house. And then um, uh, he kills them and, and sucks their fluids and things. And it's pretty cool. Um, and so in the midst of all this happening, uh, there is uh, a daughter named uh, Kirsty who's played by Ashley Lawrence, who shows up in a few of the Hellraiser movies. And she's awesome, too. She's kind of like the Nancy of the Hellraiser series, if that makes sense. Uh, Nancy being from Nightmare on Elm Street. She's kind of like, you know, the main character of the first two movies. I think she pops up a couple of times throughout the series. Um, but she's great. Uh, really cool character. She just is, you know... She doesn't really, like, get freaked out that these horrifying monsters are uh, doing things. Um, even though they're not really the villains, they just want Frank back because they're like, hey, he escaped hell, and, uh, you know, that, that's not what we're about. Um, so, yeah, basically the first Hellraiser movie is Kirsty dealing with all of that fun stuff. 
and then the Hellraiser 2 opens immediately afterwards, and she's in a mental institution. Um, and that's about as far as I've gotten. I mean, I, I know more, but that's as far as I've gotten in the movie so far. Um, I need to look up who did the, the music, though, because this guy is incredible. Christopher Young, that's his name. Uh, so he did the music, at least in Hellraiser 2. I don't know if he did it in the first one. But, oh my god, I, in a dream world, I would have this music blast, like, before I entered a room all the time. Um, because I would just feel like a really sick, dope, like, wizard that everyone would fear. And, uh, I guess that's the vibe I want? I don't know. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna get back to watching Hellraiser 2 because I'm a minute and 40 seconds in and I, I know that I'm about to get some skinned people and, and all kinds of fun things. So, uh, you know, it's gonna be great. Alright. Alright, so I am about 15 minutes in. Uh, I feel like I did a really piss-poor job of explaining the story of Hellraiser, because I think I went on a completely unrelated tangent, basically. Uh, so, basically, to sum it up, uh, Frank and Julia, bad people. Uh, Box summons Cenobites. Uh, Kirsty is the hero. Frank and Julia die. Uh, they go, uh, Frank gets you know, ripped apart by hooked chains that the Cenobites can summon. And Julia kind of seems like she starts opening the box and then gets ripped apart by chains as well on a mattress. Uh, Kirsty and her love interest escape, and Kirsty's dad is dead. That's the first movie. Uh, second movie starts right afterwards. Kirsty's in a mental institution. Uh, her love interest is mentioned once and never seen. Uh... And you uh, start to get a little bit of the backstory on Pinhead. Looks like he was a World War I soldier. Uh, he gets the box, he opens it, and he gets pulled into uh, hell or wherever. And uh, transformed into a Cenobite. So they can, they can do that. You just get pulled into hell. And uh, they'll transform you. And then you're one of them. Uh, and you end up looking like a terrifying BDSM monster. So it's good times. Um, so yeah, 15 minutes in, you know, still hanging out at the mental institution um, because everybody's like, hey, Kirsty, seems like you had a real rough go of it. What's going on? And then she tells them and they're like, <laughs> well, that doesn't make sense. Um, and so uh, then the mental institution is run by a charming fellow named Dr. Chenard, who's a brain surgeon, and uh, we're about to find out he might be interested in a puzzle box. Uh, Kirsty meets her love interest for this movie, whose name escapes me, but he is played by the fella that played Lieutenant Gorman in Aliens, which is another great movie. Um, he's not as much of an idiot in this as he is in Aliens, so that's kind of fun. Uh, and then Tiffany is now meeting a character named, or Kirsty is meeting a character named Tiffany. And, uh, Tiffany doesn't really talk, and she does puzzles, which, wow, how convenient when the way you summon these horrible demons 
It's by opening a puzzle box. Ain't that something? Uh, so that's, that's where I am right now. Uh, I'm loving it because this movie is awesome. I'm just going to keep saying that. I could literally, this whole podcast could be like a minute and it would just be me saying, hey, you know what? Go watch Hellraiser 2. Um, also, I think it's streaming on Tubi. I own the Blu-ray and a DVD and I think I have it on VHS still too. Uh, but yeah, I, if you don't own it, or don't want to spend the money to buy it on Blu-ray, which is understandable. Uh, yeah, it should be on Tubi, which is a streaming app that's free. It's completely free, at least in the U.S. I don't know otherwise. But in the U.S., it's free um, and readily available. And you uh, you can watch movies and shows and stuff on there. And I think you just watch commercials every now and then, which isn't that bad. Uh, so, yeah, you can watch it that way. It was on Shutter for a long time. I don't know if it still is. I don't believe it is. Um, yeah, the Hellraiser movies kind of just pop up on streaming services randomly. So uh, you might get lucky and find it on something other than Tubi. But I know it's on Tubi because I saw it on there the last time I was on that app, which was, I don't know, like a week ago, something like that. So, yeah. Alright, back to the movie. Alright, so I'm about 40 minutes in, and uh, Kirsty has told Dr. Shenard the whole deal, the whole thing about the uh, the first movie. Been like, hey, stuff's no good. And uh, Kirsty has also been seeing a skinned fella that uh, is writing in blood on the wall. Uh, Help me, I am in hell. Um... So naturally, she's like, oh, it's my dad. I should probably uh, go to hell and uh, get him back. And so that's what she is trying to currently do. Uh, meanwhile, Dr. Shenard, that rascal, turns out he's been real deep into this whole thing the whole time and uh, wants one of these puzzle boxes himself so that he can open the, uh, the box and, and find out how cool it is. Uh, also, these boxes uh, are called Lament Configurations, or Lamarchand Configurations. Uh, and, um, you know, you open them and you have a bad time, so that's cool. There's a bunch of comic books written about Hellraiser. There's, uh, like, a bunch of movies. Ten movies, I think? Um, and, and there's more coming. I know they're doing a Hellraiser... Uh, uh, movie or show on Hulu, and I think they're doing something on HBO as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, you know, I, I feel like I haven't even talked about the fact that Clive Barker uh, has, it, it has his hand in this whole thing. Um, he directed the first one, I believe. It's based on a short story that he wrote, or a novella, uh, called The Hellbound Heart which is really good. I recommend reading it. It's very short. I finished it in like one sitting. Uh, I've read it a couple of times. It's real good, very well written, uh, as is most of the things that Clive Barker writes. Uh, so yeah, that's where we are right now. Um, you know, oh, actually no, I'm skipping like a whole bunch of stuff. So that rascal, Dr. Chenard, uh, being deep into all this, he got the mattress that Julia died on in the first movie. 
because I guess if you spill blood, you know, on a place where uh, somebody died via Cenobite, uh, you can bring them back. And so he brought a person into his home and was like, hey, buddy, guess what? You're going to cut yourself up with this razor because the dude was hallucinating that he had bugs and stuff all over him. So the fella does. And then it summons horrible skinless Julia. She is back. And um, now her and Dr. Shinard are on a quest to get her some skin. Because she is skinless. And uh, he is strangely attracted to her. Despite not having skin. So I guess beauty is more than skin deep. Ha ha ha. Uh, also, he's a creep, so, you know, that helps. Uh, this is a very wet movie, I would say. Pretty gooey. Uh, if you like KY Jelly, this is a movie for you. Uh, if you like skinned people, definitely a movie for you. This and Predator, I would say. Skinned people, you know, premium. Uh, you know, there there is some, some, some dampness uh, to this film. Uh, and it's only going to get gooier, so I'm excited to continue watching. All right. All right, so I'm 50 minutes in now, and uh, Kirsty and her love interest, Kyle, the guy played by, you know, the, the guy that was in Aliens as Lieutenant Gorman, they decide to go check out Dr. Chouinard's house. Uh, and Kyle goes upstairs and runs into Julia, and despite knowing that uh, the skinless people can take other people's skin. He immediately trusts her and then is dispo or dispatched. <laughs> she, he, he's killed by her. Uh, so bye-bye, Kyle. That's, like, there's not a love interest in this movie. Uh, so then Kirsty is like, oh, Julia, you're back. That sucks. Uh, and she runs into a very telegraphed punch. Uh, and gets knocked out, and then Dr. Chouinard shows up, and he's like, Hello, well, look at me, I've brought you a gift. And it's uh, Tiffany, and she is going to open that puzzle box, and they're all going to take a trip to hell. So uh, that's where I'm at right now, and I'm very excited, uh, because the last half of this movie is super dope. Lots of crazy stuff, so uh, yeah, alright. Alright, so I'm an hour and five minutes in, and uh, they're having a great time in hell. Uh, so the box has been opened. Uh, Kirsty is in hell. Tiffany's in hell. Julia and Dr. Chenard are in hell. Uh, it's a giant labyrinth. And, you know, they're seeing some, they're seeing some stuff. You know, Tiffany's seeing, uh, you know, clowns juggling eyeballs. And there's... There's a, a big floating baby sewing its mouth shut. And there's, uh, you know, bleeding pictures and all kinds of things. Uh, Kirstie's still searching for her dad. The Cenobites are like, hey, he's not here. He's in his own hell. You can't reach him. And she's like, bah, whatever, I'm going to keep looking around. And they're like, go for it, dog. Uh, Julia uh, turns out, wow, shocker, can't trust her. Uh, she was sent back because she's working for Leviathan, which is a giant, like, floating uh, shape in the sky that 
sounds like a foghorn and blasts you with weird light that makes you remember strange things. And he's like the god of uh, hell or whatever dimension they're in. He's the lord of the labyrinth. And uh, so Julia's like, hey, guess what? Uh, I was allowed to come back because Leviathan wants some, some bodies. Uh, and you're one of them. So, see ya. And then she puts him in a uh, coffin thing. And he gets, uh, well, he's in the process currently of being turned into a Cenobite. And I'm just going to tell you. He's not having a good time. Uh, Pinhead and his crew uh, have shown up, and they are rad. Uh, everything they say in this movie is basically quotable. Uh, they have lots of great, like, one-liners. It's not even, a, like, a one-liner, I feel like, actually kind of is disrespectful to the rad dialogue that Pinhead has in this movie. Because um, he's not like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's not like, stick around, and then, like, you know, throws a knife at someone and sticks them to a door. Um, you know, he's, uh, he, he's got good dialogue. Uh, and it's kind of interesting, too, because it's like, obviously in later movies, they've turned the Cenobites into, like, straight-up, you know, slasher villains on the level of, like, Jason or Freddy or whatever. Uh, but in this, like, Julia is legit the bad guy, uh, Julia and Frank were the villains of the first movie, and they are, you know, Julia is the main villain of this one. Um, the Cenobites are just kind of there. They're like a neutral third party that's just like, hey, you guys keep opening the box. We've got to take you, um, which is kind of cool. Like, I don't know. I, it's very um, cold, I guess. It's I just like the vibe where it's like you could talk to Pinhead about stuff and he would talk to you and you know, the conversation might end with him being like, Oh, guess what? You're coming to hell. Uh, but it wouldn't be anything personal. It would just be like, well, you open the box and that's just the way things are. Um, which is kind of fun. He doesn't really start cracking, uh, jokes until the third movie where he makes weird Cenobites and I don't want to talk about it right now. Third movie's fine. Um, but really, if you're going to watch the Hellraiser series, watch, like, uh, the first four. Those are, like, so one and two, awesome. Two is my favorite. Three is still watchable. It's it's goofy, but it's, it's watchable. And then four is interesting, I guess. Um, I mean, it's not the worst. Uh, and then just don't watch anymore after that. Because uh, they just keep going downhill. Because the issue with the Hellraiser movies is most of the time, uh, the studio that owns the rights is like, oh, our rights are about to expire, so let's just take a script and that already exists and shoehorn in Pinhead. Alright, cool, we made another Hellraiser movie. Um, so that's a little unfortunate. I feel like the, the character wasn't treated with like the respect that I feel like he deserves uh, after a certain point. Um, so yeah, uh, Kirsty is about to find her daddy, and uh, that's where we're at so far. So woohoo! So it turns out that hey, the Cenobites weren't lying, and uh, her Kirsty's dad is not in hell because she went and she found what she thought was her dad's place. Turns out it was old Uncle Frank. 
And he was uh, hanging out, looking like George Michael still, and he was like, you put the boom boom into my heart. And Kirsty's like, I don't want this. Uh, and so she set him on fire and burned all of his skin off, and then Julia showed up and literally ripped his heart out. Uh, so I guess he's dead, even though he was already dead and in hell. I don't really understand how it works. Maybe it's like Nightmare on Elm Street, where it's like if you die in a dream, you die in real life, except you already died and you're in hell, and then you die again and you're gone. I don't know. Uh, don't think about it. And so, uh, that's basically what happened just now. And they're like, hey, that's not great. Uh, and so Kirsty and them ran away. Kirsty and Tiffany, I should say. Uh, and then, oh boy, Dr. Shenard, he's coming back. He's a Cenobite now. Uh, he's, uh, about to get a big, gross drill arm stuck to his head. And uh, then he's gonna, you know, maybe maybe go on a little bit of a killing spree, a little bit of a little, little, little bit of murder. Um, so that'll be exciting. I'm excited. Uh, I'm an hour and 13 minutes in. The movie is an hour and 39 minutes. Uh, at least the unrated director's cut or whatever that I have. Uh, so I will probably record again when the movie is over. And so yeah, see you then. Alright, the movie is over. Uh, I forgot that Dr. Shenard as a Cenobite actually does kind of get one-liners, uh, which is kind of hilarious, because uh, his whole thing is he has the big tentacle on his head, so he's floating around, and uh, he can make these tentacles come out of his hands that can, like, end in scalpels and all kinds of stuff. And so, uh, since he was a doctor, he'll uh, he'll go up and be like, Oh, I recommend evisceration. And then he, you know, tries to cut you up. Um, so, uh, Kirsty ends up, uh, you know, coming out un relatively unscathed. Um, you know, there's some, some twists and such. But, uh, yeah, the movie overall, I, I don't want to give away the ending or anything, but the movie overall is uh, super rad. Highly recommend it. Um this is one of those movies where, like, I just saw it way too young. Uh, we had it on VHS, and I watched it when I was, like, man, single digits. Uh, I, I had to be, like, seven or eight when I watched Hellraiser 2, uh, which is, like, probably, you know, eight years too young. Because um, this movie is pretty gnarly. Uh, but I, I didn't turn uh, turn out too horrible uh, from it, so you know I guess it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is one of those movies that I will just revisit a lot because um, it's just it's well shot. The soundtrack's awesome. The effects are amazing. Just the world building is so cool. Like I just I love like everything that they did with Hell. And adding more of a backstory to the Cenobites and, um, you know, just, it, it just like, it gives you more of everything that made Hellraiser, uh, great. And so, I mean, some people don't like this one, whatever. For me, personally, it is like the, the peak, uh, Hellraiser experience because, yeah, I just, I love all that stuff. I could 
you know, I, I wish they did more comics and things because I just want to like live in that horrible night nightmare world and, uh, you know, see all the other Cenobites and learn more about Leviathan and, and all that stuff. And then, I don't know, the later movies just kind of never went back to it, so that's a huge bummer. Because, um, yeah, I, it just, it's so much missed opportunity, I think, uh, that they didn't continue going with that general uh, storyline. And that, you know, they ended up kind of turning Pinhead into a little bit of a joke as well. Like, he, he needed to stay uh, at, like, an elevated level. Um or they could have done what they originally wanted to do, which was make Julia the main villain of the series. But I guess once the first movie came out, everybody was already like, oh, Pinhead's the best. So they were like, all right, now we're going to focus on him. Um, but yeah, I mean, watch this movie. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly recommend it, even if you've seen it before and it's been a while, like give it a rewatch. Um, because, yeah, it just, it's great. Uh, it doesn't overstay its welcome. I mean, as I've said, the effects are just so good. Like, the gore and everything rules. There is a lot of it. It's it's a very uh, gross movie. Um, but it just, it's well made. Like, it's, it's gross on, like, a, I don't know, a more sophisticated level. You know? Like, it's not just hostile where it's like, Oh, here's somebody strapped to a chair, and now we're going to cut out their eye. Wow. Um, it's, you know, you there is a bit of that, but it, it's like, I don't know, just a more high concept, I guess. Um, and, uh, yeah, just there's great matte paintings for, like, the backgrounds and the labyrinth and everything. It's just, it's cool. It really is. Um, if you've never seen a Hellraiser movie... You could watch this one without having seen the first, um, but I do really enjoy the first one, so, you know, it'd be a good double feature, but if you do only want to watch one, I would watch this one, because you do get a recap. I think that you can see this one without being confused. I mean, I did. I didn't see the original Hellraiser until way after I saw the second one. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Your mileage may vary, but I wholeheartedly recommend and enjoy this movie. Uh, and yeah, I, you know, I'm glad that I'm back. I'm glad that I'm making podcasts again. Um, so if this one seems a little, uh, sloppy, I'm, I'm getting my, uh, my podcasting, uh, feet back under me. So I'm just kind of going with the flow. Honestly, I should probably try to like script these. But uh, I don't. I just, I'm going off the top of my head. So, cool. I probably should, you know, try to improve. But, hey, you know what? I'm doing what works for me. And it's a lot more fun for me to just improv everything. Ha <laughs> ha! Um, so, yeah, hey. Seriously, thank you for listening, if you listen to this really thank you if you stuck through and are listening to this after, like, listening to my other stuff, because, yeah, there's been such a long hiatus between episodes. Um, but I promise I will not do that again. I already have movies in mind for the next few episodes. Um, 
you know, I want to do this one because this is a movie I've seen a million times and I just really, really dig it. Uh, and so the next couple episodes, I think I'm going to go for stuff that either I've never seen but have heard of and I'm interested in, or it's things that I haven't seen in like forever uh, that are still pretty obscure. Um, unfortunately, I don't really know how easy it'll be for everybody else to get a hold of these movies uh, for the next few episodes because, yeah, I just, I have a massive movie collection and I tend to buy bootlegs uh, of things when I go to horror conventions and stuff. Um, so I own some movies that are just like really hard, if not impossible, to find uh, for the average person. Um, but if it is a movie like that, I'll give you a warning so that you can, I don't know, pirate it or whatever you need to do. Or buy a bootleg copy from people on eBay like I do. <laughs> um, but yeah. Hey, uh, have a good day. Thank you for listening. I will return again probably in the next couple of days or a week. Uh, I need to get more on a set schedule for these so that you guys aren't left hanging forever. Um, but yeah, hey, thank you. Have a great day. You're awesome. I'm happy that you listened to this with me. I'm happy that hopefully you'll watch this movie. I'm happy about everything, and it's my birthday. So happy birthday to me. I'm 33. I'm a grown-ass man. And uh, I just love monsters. All right, man. And woman and everything else. I love all of you. You're the best. All right. See you later. Bye.